Welcome to The Project, the podcast that elevates human consciousness, bringing you the most impactful and effective coaches in the industry to discuss how you can transform yourself to thrive in life. this episode of the Project Podcast, we bring in Black Belt Taekwondo master, instructor, and school owner Sasha Miguez to discuss what is best for our youth in the ever-changing world and economy. What are the skills and characteristics needed in order to build a strong human being who can overcome any challenge and truly thrive in life? Welcome to the Project. We have Sasha Miguez here. I'm Moses Santos. Francis. And uh, we're going to tell Sasha a little bit about our podcast. Uh, Francis, why don't you go ahead and do that? So the name of the podcast is called The Project. Okay. And the idea behind it is basically how we expand ourselves to look at problems of the world. And the problems that we're really focused on are the problems that have to do with consciousness. So our goal with this program is to raise awareness of raising consciousness so by us exploring these ideas of problems in the world that affect consciousness we're able to have conversations that are going to help us come up with either solutions to those problems or just simply mastermind in a way that we're expanding ourselves and exploring new potentials for ways to solve those problems okay so what we'd like to do is we're going to start off anytime we have a guest, we start off with two questions. And one of the first question we're going to ask is, what are you most passionate about about in life right now? It's mm, a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I most passionate about in life right now? Um, I won't have to say... creating change um specifically with my youth or, or with kids specifically with kids i think that's my my main passion right now trying to influence in a positive way um as many kids as possible and hopefully with that you know impacting kids directly it trickles to their parents because I've tried kind of both ways and I've noticed that when you tackle kids directly it's so much easier for them to talk to their parents and influence their own parents than when you try to get their parents to talk to their kids about it because if kids are passionate about it most likely their parents are going to get into it but if parents it's harder to get parents to be passionate about something you know the only way they talked about them kids if they're really really like into it so I think that's my passion right now. Man, there's so many thoughts I have over that. I don't know if I can keep going. Awesome. Uh, what are you trying to achieve in your life right now? What am I trying to achieve? Um, I feel like I should have I been asked these questions before so I could think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what am I trying to achieve? <clears throat> so the reason I'm taking so long is because I feel like there's so many like small goals that I have. 
um, I guess I'm trying to think of what's the end goal. And I guess the end goal is similar to my passion, which is why I'm passionate about it. Um, I want to develop a, a system or create something that's going to be able to replicate itself and just multiply and multiply um, that will ultimately create change universally that's what i want that's the goal so it's a very it's a broad goal um long term but something that should last forever so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you do and how you're gonna like influence this change okay um so i'm a taekwondo teacher master uh, at a taekwondo school during in the school i developed a program for kids to learn how to teach um to learn how to teach taekwondo <clears throat> and through that um is where i realized that i had the opportunity to teach them something more other than taekwondo um with the help of rances and mo with constant personal development and talking about things and um <clears throat> when we would get together to work on renewed mindset. I realized there's so much more to give, um, and I I'm grateful that I have a platform to do it. Uh, so I feel like I have I'm blessed. I have a very big opportunity that it was put in my hands for a reason. So that's kind of where I'm at. All right, last question. What do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> um. Fun. It's no time for fun. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I guess I just spend time with my family. That's really it. Or do activities like the Spartan race. <laughs> That's fun. So I kind of want to go off something. I don't know if you you felt the same thing, Francis. But she said that she felt like when she when you put um, when you direct your kids and and you're teaching the kids and it trickles down to the parents. And I thought of conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember her name? Uh, Dr. Shibati, Shibali, yeah. Shibali or Shibati. So the whole concept of like, I'm wondering why sometimes when you direct the kids or you're addressing the kids and it trickles to the parents and then the parents kind of follow, is this concept of like <clears throat> the parents no longer have a belief system within themselves because they feel that they can no longer change. So they put all their belief systems into their child. And then from there, they change through their child because their belief system is in the child. Like they're installing, instilling those beliefs in there. That's where I'm thinking my, my head is going right now. I feel like that happens all the time now. You see that all the time. So I have, I have a theory about parenting, which is basically your children, when you, th when you think you've, you've overcome and you've gotten past certain, th certain things personally that you're like, oh, I'm no longer that person. Your children come around and show check. you all those things <laughs> that you thought you were over, right? And and to me, that's kind of the moral of the story because you're not over them if they still can get to you, right? You've only truly conquered them if you've been able to really accept them. And your children come along and there's no other choice but to accept your children, Right. So in the situation where you're talking about where you're influencing the kids. So 
these kids are now demonstrating potential of what they can be, right? Because they're getting exposed to things outside of their community, outside of their, their parents' culture and, and, and beyond the limited walls that they have exposed to themselves. And by that, now you start to see and the parents begin to see what these kids can truly be. And I think that's the biggest element where the parent now can reflect and be like, oh, wow, I could be so much more as well if my child can see so far beyond. So I think that's one of the, the elements that really triggers that as well. What do you think from your experience of seeing that? Um, yes, I think, yes, I, there's so many ways to go about parenting. I have such a big opinion on parenting. Um, it's, it's funny because I'm not a parent. <laughs> um, so I'm a bit biased, but I've seen it so many times. I've dealt with plenty of parents and their kids and seen both extremes. And I think that, yes, kids can influence their parents. A hundred percent. I agree with that, but it's only when parents, I don't know. I don't want to say <clears throat> that they don't believe in their kids, but when parents, they're so um, unhappy with themselves. They're so unhappy with themselves, um, with not only who they are, maybe how they look, or maybe where they are in their life, or maybe they're not where they thought they would be, um, that they to they're totally ignoring their kid. Um, that it's it's sad because it's like your kid has so much potential. When 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 a kid's excited, especially kids, when they do something that they when they accomplish something and they they're happy about something, something bad happens, whatever it is, the first person they want to tell is their parents. And you go to your parents and your parents kind of just brush you off. Not only does it, obviously it's not trickling to the parents, but now I'm, it, they're messing up everything that we just worked on because now it's like their parents telling them, no, you're not enough because I don't want to even hear to what you have to say. So in my, my opinion, I think that it kind of sucks because parents have such a big role and so many of them are so ignorant to it that they don't even they don't even see it so i think it was you that mentioned it uh i think it was or i don't know if it was mo that said something like all parents should go through uh, or parents to be should go through a renewed mindset, renewed mindset yeah. before becoming parents and the more that i work with kids and the more that i Wit, or, you know, I'm a witness to the situation I just explained, the more I agree because I feel like you should be in a complete stable mindset and completely content with yourself and where you are before you have kids because you're, you're going to influence somebody else and whether they have a million other external sources helping them, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because... The most important person to them, at least until a certain age, is their parents. Well, I don't know. No, you know, even now, I tell my parents stuff and they brush me off. I feel a certain way. Yeah. So, like, I definitely agree with that 100%. Um, but you said something about teachers, uh, because, uh, not teachers, you said something about not being a parent, right? But being a teacher, I kind of relate with you. Yeah. Because as a teacher, you get this outside perspective and then you see what's happening with their parents. Right. And then like parent teacher conference, we would sit in there, parent would come in and we see the parent. And now we're like, 
Uh, oh, I get I it. Get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I get like where all the beliefs are, like the mannerisms, the everything that's been instilled comes from that parent. And I'm like, oh, all right, I get it. Now I understand. And going off of that, I think that there is some type of uh, like uh, something positive that comes out of not being a parent yet, um, because just from from experience, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'll explain it to you, but. Not being a parent, I don't, I've never felt that, what it feels like to be a parent, right? So parents tell me all the time, or people they talk to, you know, you know they say that it's nothing like you've ever felt before. It's a, it's a new love. That's what people say um, with kids, uh, with your own kids. And because I'm not a parent, I can step out of that. So sometimes parents, they're, they love their kid so much that they're blind to maybe, you know, their beliefs or what their kid what their kid's going through um they don't even see it because they're just like oh you know my kid's like this or it's okay or he can't do it because he's you know or because he's chubby you know oh, it's okay you know they create excuses for their kids because they love their kids and me as not being a mom i can kind of step back from that or i don't have that point of view so sometimes it's easier for me to be able to teach something or maybe discipline somebody because i don't have that connection right and i saw it with for example my boss the way he was before to how he is now that he has kids he's a lot softer mm-hmm. he's a lot more he's a lot softer a lot uh easier going he lets things slide more because he has his own kids now and now that his kids are going there too now that his kids are starting to go you know he, you see a complete difference and it's funny because i would hear parents say it all the time wait until he has kids wait until mm-hmm. he has kids and it, I see it, and it's like, it's crazy the effect, even if he's not even teaching his own kids, it's crazy the effect of just having kids, you know, the way that it, you know, illustrates or demonstrates when you're teaching. So I think that there's a power there. Yeah. And at least until I have kids, I was gonna ask, be a new power. I was just going to ask Rentis, I was like, so Rentis, you're the only one here with kids. Yeah. How do you deal between that fine line of like, Instilling the beliefs and the morals and values that you want them to have and then kind of still So I've kind of So there's a few things there Um, Number one is like there's always this this pre-parent view of how kids should be like a lot of people you hear a lot of people talk about like oh My kids not gonna be running around the restaurant doing this and my kids not gonna right and I think this is kind of one of those those very deep rooted points where where parents believe that they're going to be or people just in general, not parents, but people in general believe that they're going to create this being and they're going to be able to construct this being just as they want to and design the the what they do and how they think and everything like that. Like a Build-A-Bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I think I think that's that's the biggest issue with <clears throat> excuse me in parenting because I feel that parents go in and continue on with that same kind of mental state. So when parents are are like you mentioned, they don't see what their kids are going through or the obstacles or anything or the excuse behavior. Right? What parents are doing is they're still trying to build a bear in a sense, but they're doing it from their own life, right? So 
what they're doing is applying their own beliefs, their own experiences to their child, right? So, oh, my child uh, didn't, uh, uh, he's not speaking up in class. The teacher can't hear him, let's say, right? And if, if that's the truth, that's the action that's happening, the belief of what does that mean is what the parent brings in. So the parent comes in, oh, I had that same issue when I was a child. Oh, I have a good, a good little uh, uh, story is my mother. My mother, she tells us all the time how she was when she was little, when, she, when it came to food. She never liked to eat too much and, and people would force her to eat and, and she'd just take a few bites and she would feel full and people would always force her and force her and force her to eat. Now, it's funny how all of my mom's kids as well as her grandkids, every time they spend some time with her, end up with that same behavioral pattern, right? So. My, my daughter spends a few days with my, my mother. She comes back and she's super picky. She doesn't want to eat. She says, I'm full. And then, right? Where does that come from? Did that just naturally appear in her? I think it came from my mother trans transposing these beliefs onto my daughter because she's coming with all these ideas and, and theories and everything like that. So then my daughter is going through life, experiencing things, and she still doesn't have the judgment to be, say this is good or bad or whatever. What she has is the people around her and watching how they react to a situation. So once she sees, oh, this is the way they react. Okay, this is the way I should react, I guess, because this is what makes me acceptable to the tribe, to the family, to everyone. and makes me feel like I'm enough, to make me feel that as I'm part and I'm valuable because now I'm sharing the same path as you, right? So parents start with the, these ideas of like, oh, I'm going to do this. But then they kind of think they, they quit. It's like, oh, the kids are just like this. But that same process of thinking the kids are just like this is like, no, because I remember going through this and I remember this and this and this, this. So they pass on these experiences to their kids, even though the kids didn't live them. Right. And then the kids go around life just basically carrying their parents backpack all day long. <clears throat> and have the same views of the world. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest issues. For me, the way I um, try to tackle that, and I'm not very successful at it because I do it a lot too, but the way I try to tackle it is to observe my kids when they're talking together, when they're discussing things together, right? I'm observing my thoughts and I'm like, oh, no. You shouldn't say that and, blah, 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 blah. and all these judgments. And I'm like, oh, if I wasn't here, if I didn't exist, this conversation will continue on. So it's not my place to step in and interrupt and say, no, you're wrong. You're right. And you should do this and whatever, whatever. It's letting them explore it and, and experience it for themselves. And that's something I feel like every parent struggles with is letting your kids experience the world and life for themselves. So <clears throat> I like what you said there, but I think that that comes from a place of like the parent not feeling that they're enough and because they don't feel that way they don't want their child to feel that way so what do you do you try to instill and impose pre-impose your belief system because you feel that your system is the one that's actually going to work and stop them from being uncomfortable right but the whole thing is the avoidance of being uncomfortable because in order to feel that you're enough you have to learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah and we don't want that for our children. We want our children to be comfortable, right? Like, so for example, like my parents right now, they're worried about my entire life situation. 
right? Because they see I'm not comfortable, right? But they don't know that's just their imposed belief and their assumptions right now what's going on. So I think that's where I feel like it stems from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a fine line <clears throat> between both extremes because, um, I mean, I agree what you're saying uh, about, you know, letting them observe and kind of letting them do their own thing because you do see it a lot, you know, kids carrying their own back. Maybe not even um, just, maybe not only their parents creating excuses for them and having the kids create excuses for themselves because their parents created excuses for them but in the other extreme too for example you know you have a I'm, I'm talking from experience from taekwondo because that's what i've witnessed you come a, a come comes in a kid that maybe struggles uh to do movement maybe he struggles with it maybe he's a little overweight or maybe you know he's not uh he hasn't been working out so obviously his conditioning is not there yet um and then you get a parent that criticized the kid you know well i did it when i was a kid and i was good when i was you know i was a i got to black belt or i got to you know why are you not doing that or they're pushing their kids to do hobbies that they did because they liked it when their kids don't like that the kids wants to do art you know and it's funny i'm saying that because you know for me i want everyone to do taekwondo but you know we're talking about kids here and parents don't let kids or they don't understand that they're they're their own person they're they're not a replica of the parent they're their own person we're here only to you know here to guide them right um so something happened to me and i'll never forget i was probably 15 years old and i had just got home from a party and i was probably drunk or i had been drinking and my mom sits me down, and I was like... She's not 15, <laughs> No. She look at So my mom sits me down, and I was one of those kids that I still am now, but, you know, if you tell me not to do something, it makes me want to do it more. So she sat me down, I think she got a napkin, and she got a piece of uh, pen, and she drew two lines on a piece of paper, on the napkin. And she put a dot here in the beginning, and she said, this is you. And she put another dot and she said, this is me. So she said, I'm here to tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't. But the second you walk out this house, it's on you. I'm not there with you. So she draws this line and she draws it us going together. She says, four, three, years old, three years old, four years old, five years old, I'm with you. I'm holding your hand, right? I'm telling you, right? And then she goes, as you start getting a little older, I have to let go of your hand. You know, um, maybe I'm holding your shoulder and I'm still next to you. But right, I let you go a little bit. And now um, I'm here because if you start get out of the line, I'm here to push you back in. Right. You're making your own decisions, but I'm here to guide you. Right. So she's like, every time you get out, I'm pushing you back in. And the goal is that or what will eventually happen is that I have to let you go. And you're going to have to be on your own. And the hopes is that you took in as much information as possible to be able to make your own judgments. Um, that will lead you through uh, the right path, right? And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget when she did that. And that kind of made me change my entire perspective as like saying that, you know what? The decision is mine. It's, it, I am my own person and I am on, 
on my own, right? Even though she's guiding me, I'm on my own because if I do decide to do this, even though maybe I know there will be consequences or I know maybe there's going to be a positive result that comes out of this, I still made that decision, right? And so that whole thing I'll never forget. I know I, gotta, I, I forgot where that led from, <laughs> but um, I, what I was saying originally was that there's a fine line between you know, creating a bunch of excuses and constantly controlling your kid and then kind of just like, okay, I'm going to let my kid do whatever he wants and I'm just going to observe them and let them figure it out on their own because there, in my opinion, there needs to be some, some type of guidance. There needs to because they can observe all they want, but they don't have the tools right now to be able to like harness it, right? They're just, in my opinion, I think they're just observing, um, absorbing Everything. So I, I think Rances, I mean, I see Rances interact with his kids all the time. I think Rances does an amazing job of showing his kids all the possible options and why they are these options. And then he lets them make the decision. And I think it's really hard to do that because you need to have a crazy amount of patience, right? <laughs> To let your child make a decision on what you feel is right or wrong in that moment. But what he's doing, and I think what he's doing a great job of him and Paola are doing, they're allowing their decisions to be, uh, allowing their children to be great at decision making. Which is the problem that I see as a teacher, especially when kids start to get into middle school and high school, is that they're afraid to make decisions because throughout their entire life, their parents have made the decisions for them. So even small things like cleaning up your room or picking up after yourself and things like that, when your parent is telling you to do that for you or your parent does it for you, right? Either way, you have not made that decision. You have no control over that. So what happens is as you get older, and these are the habits that you see in older people, right? Like myself, when my mom cleaned everything for me, I have trouble maintaining organization in my room until I decided to live by myself and now I can be able to do it because I was like, you just get sick and tired of it. But the thing was that you're teaching your child how to make a decision and their decisions in the beginning, like anything else, is going to suck, right? When they first start anything, like anybody in life, when you first start something, you're horrible at it, right? So right now, what makes it so difficult and what I see in your struggle sometimes is that your child, your children's decision making sometimes is not always 100% in line with your decision making. Mm -hmm. And that gets frustrating. So I think that's where I think it's not so much necessarily stepping back and letting things happen, but letting the child make the decision and then you from your kind of like the whole perspective of like the warrior, the victim, and we can talk about this from parenting, right? How we translate those things, right? Warrior, victim, proactive, and then the observer, right? As the parent, you wanna be the observer and you don't really want to really get into any of these other roles when you're trying to teach your child how to make a decision. So now my question for both of you, you as a teacher and you as a parent, right? It's like, what's the most important thing as a parent you can do in order to make your child successful whatever that definition of a successful is. Well, I'm actually- <laughs> Or happy in life. <clears throat> so that's where I wanted to go. Uh, so thank you for asking that question because my, mine and my wife, we, we've talked about this deeply. So 
there's a big difference between like what Sasha said before is like guiding them through a path and and what's right and all these things. We don't have that idea. We within our parenting, we don't have that idea of basically expectations. We don't think by no means that we know what's right. We don't think that we are here to guide them to what they can become. Our goal as parents is to help our kids become the most fulfilled versions of themselves. And they decide what they do with their lives. And with that, um, if, if my kids ask me a question, like you said, I try to give them a broad spectrum of decision, but you said one thing is a misnomer. You said I try to give them all the, the options. That's a misnomer because I tell them, specifically tell them, these are the options that I'm aware of. So I always try to leave that space of, I don't know everything, right? And you guys can explore beyond my borders of what I know. Um, so like questions of religion and stuff like that come. I have my own thoughts and ideas. Um, and I explain to them my thoughts and ideas. And I've done a lot of uh, religious like studies, like where I looked into the religions and, and where they come from and, and all these things. So I also can give them a bit of that interpretation. But we always end the conversation, but these are basically just beliefs. Everyone has their own beliefs and everyone's entitled to their own beliefs. Um, we try not to judge these beliefs and we can create and choose whichever we want. But knowing that we're making the decision to put ourselves into this belief, that is the power of knowing that we're not number one, we're not right, we're not correct in any form of the meaning of the word. This is just the little box we decided to sit in. And, and to me, that's allowing them to stay open and connected to everyone else. Because that's where I find that it's like the idea of I'm right and this path is right and all these things right, right, right starts creating separation from others. Oh, someone did it a different way, so they're wrong or whatever. And, and I always want to leave that open to, to my kids to explore. So what our goal is, is more to have them have the capacity to expand themselves into whichever direction that life takes them and for them to be so fucking strong that they can take anything that life throws at them and not only do well and survive, but to actually thrive. Mm, love it. All right, Sasha, <clears throat> from the teacher perspective, what do, you think is, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing that you can give a child in order to thrive in life? Give a child? Yeah. That's so hard. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um. Guys, we didn't end the podcast. So Sasha's still thinking. <laughs> I will go. I'm back. Um, the most important thing I can give them for them to thrive in life. I don't know. 
I'm just gonna tell you that I don't know because there's so many things that run through my head but for me to be like no this is the most important one it's hard for me because when I get kids I feel like every kid needs something different so it's how you know for me to say okay everyone needs this one thing and then they're gonna be successful if I do this right for me I think that every kid's unique every kid comes with their own issues or their own insecurities and I think for me that's my job is to kind of highlight them and help them through it or help them be okay with whatever it is they're dealing with and that's how they're there they will thrive in my opinion and for you Moses oh man I haven't taught and I'm no longer a parent I mean I'm no longer a teacher and I haven't taught in almost three years uh, but looking back and reflecting back on my teaching, what I would have changed with everything that I've learned and the program that we created, Renewed Mindset, I think the number one thing I would want to give any child is for them to understand that their beliefs are malleable and that at any given point, at any time in their life, they can change. And they can change anything about it, about themselves, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, they can do it and thrive in life. I think that's the number one thing I would teach. And on that note, like if you can, you know, when you said that, I instantly thought about awareness. Like if you can instill awareness okay. into every single kid, it doesn't matter what it, what their insecurities are. It doesn't matter what mm -hmm. they're dealing with or if they're going to be strong enough or not because they're going to have that awareness to be able to realize it and then confront Make a change, it. Yeah. yeah. And not even every child, every human being yeah. on this goddamn planet <laughs> needs awareness. Yeah. I think it's uh, a lot harder to find or to to conquer it than it, you know, everybody's like, well, awareness, oh, that's so easy, but it's so hard. Nobody I don't know if people really understand that, but yeah. I think like that's maybe another topic for another it's podcast. So hard. But Sasha, I wanna ask you, I want you to let everybody know uh, where people can find out more information about what you do, uh, where your school is located at, um, and where they can contact you. Okay, um, my school's in Fairview, Fairview, New Jersey, and uh, our school is United, United Taekwondo, but uh, you can find us on Instagram, which is our, it's United Taekwondo Fairview, um, and basically through there, or you can find me through Instagram, which my name is Sasha Mikas. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. She's an amazing teacher, by the way. I take my son to her. And <laughs> it's I take my son to her, not because it's convenient or close, because it's not. It's far. <laughs> but because I honestly believe in her and how she touches these kids' lives. Plus, she changes to, like, a Korean accent. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, thank you for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. Peace. Peace out. No, Peace. we don't do that. Alright guys, thank you so much. We really, really truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please leave us a review and let us know your thoughts. And also contribute to the community. Give us your, your experiences, your thoughts, your stories. Let us know if you can be a part of the podcast. And if you truly enjoyed this, hit the subscribe button and share with anyone that you think may benefit.
If you want to know more about Rancis and myself and what we do here at Vita Project, visit VitaProject.com or take a look at our Instagram page, Vita Project. Tune in next week for our next episode. Peace.